Wow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our brand new podcast show for the love of books, featuring indie and small press authors who bravely navigate the treacherous waters of self-publishing and marketing even during the pandemic. I will be your host, Emma, and we're going to have fun with a great guest lineup. This show was made partly possible by the generosity of Doc Shavent and her support for the arts. It is my pleasure to present to your author, Ingar Rudholm, the author of the Traveling Circus Trilogy. Welcome, Ingar. Well, thank you for having me, Emma. Um, you're doing a great job. Thank you for all that you do for authors. Um, I know what it's like to, to come up with questions and then record it and then put it on a podcast and then put it on YouTube. And I, I, really, I really appreciate you taking your time to talk to me today. And thank it, you. it just, it, it means a lot to me. And I thank, thank you. you. It's and really I a hope, pleasure. I it's hope really... we have fun. <laughs> we will. When and why did you start writing? Well, first, when um, there was a writing assignment in second grade, and um, they had us make actually make and make our own books. And uh, in second grade, I was into Scooby Doo, so I wrote this whole uh, story about Scooby Doo, and um, they went on an adventure. And then the teacher helped us actually make the cover. And um, the teacher actually typed out all the students' stories and then made the cover. And that was my first uh, endeavor as a writer was in second grade. And uh, it just blossomed from there. Um, in high school, our, our English teacher had us write a story and he, um, every year he would take one student and one student's story and read it in front of the entire class and he only picked one student and he, he happened to choose mine and he said keep writing and um, the the first part you said when and then um, what was the why? second part of the question yeah the second yeah. part was why oh why um for this book, um, so when after high school, I I pretty much I took some creative writing classes, but um, I never thought of it as a career. Um, I just thought of it as a thing that I enjoy doing in my spare time, almost like artwork, and it was more or less a hobby. And um, what what shook me to my core and shook me out of this um, idea of writing another book was back in 2010, um, my mom passed away and she left behind a set of paints, a box of brushes. And she, she always said, you know, when I retire, I'm gonna paint in my retirement and do what I love. And she never got that chance. And I said to myself, you know what? If I'm gonna do, I'm if I'm gonna write something, I better do it now. And she was, that was a catalyst to changing my whole trajectory of starting a story. It became what became a hobby, became something that I was. It, 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 her, by her passing, it inspired me to 
write the whole book or the whole trilogy. The whole trilogy. Exactly. Okay. And how has your artistic background influenced your writing? Apparently your mom was a, or wanted to be, right? A painter. If she left you a set of brushes, she oh. wanted to paint. Exactly. Exactly. Now, when I wrote the story, um, and we'll get into that later, but each, each, each of the, um, the, the main character in the story, uh, well, I'll back up a little bit. The story is aimed for 10 to 13 year olds. So it's a fantasy story. So uh, since it's aimed at that age group, um, each of the characters in the story have these superpowers or magic powers. And in the story, Flynn, his magic power is art. Anything he draws becomes real. And so um, even though it's for 10 to 13 year olds, what I did was a story, each character he meets in the story is either based on a famous painting or a famous painter. And because okay. my mom was an inspiration to me. So I said, okay, she loved art. She loved artists. I'm going to make each of the characters in the story a famous um, based upon a famous artist. And uh, that even though the kids won't pick up on it, maybe an adult that reads it will see, you know, pick up on that. Okay. And so how well do you relate to that age group, 10 to 13? I can't even imagine writing for a 13-year-old. <laughs> you can explain <laughs> that to me. I'm fascinated by explain that to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm a kid at heart. I, I just... Um, I, I enjoy my um, my favorite passion as growing up is was watching movies and some of my mm -hmm. favorite movies were like Indiana Jones and oh, the Goonies yeah. and all these kids movies and I decided to write a book that was something that I I would have wanted to read when I was a kid okay. and um, I loved the Hardy Boys I loved um, Treasure Island. I, I loved reading about um, Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. And those were my favorite books because I could go on an adventure. And um, it was like a movie in the mind. And if, if I'm going to write something, I'm going to write something that I would have read when I was a kid. And that's, um, and I don't have kids. So this was like, okay. when I wrote it, is like having a kid. This is the, oh, yeah. the kid, the boy, and the, all the characters in the story mm -hmm. are like either my like friends of mine or me. I yes. can relate to all of them, you know. To all of them, yeah. Okay, now to your area of expertise. You pride oh. yourself that you are an innovator in marketing, always looking for new ways to market. What would you recommend to all of us? What has worked for you and what hasn't? Well, this is the, some of the greatest times to market a book. Um, um, Fitzpatrick, the, or the great Gatsby, the, the, the guy that wrote Gary Gatsby, he might be sold like less than a thousand books because back then it's like, how do you get out there and you know, sell your book and get it to the public. And now is the 
best time to market out there because there is so many free social media sites to market your book and you got to pick the one that is suited for yourself and what i mean by that is they have marketing from anywhere to 10 all the way up till you know retirement age and you gotta find out which social media site works the best for you and facebook i i tend to say it's like the 35 to retirement age um there's instagram and that's more geared towards 20 to 35 year olds there's mm -hmm. TikTok, which is from 25-year-olds all the way down to 10. There's places to meet or to market your book like LinkedIn. When you go to LinkedIn, uh, this is right now, LinkedIn is a good place to organically reach your audience. If, if you're looking to go to um, uh, meet librarians, bookstore owners, other authors, writing conferences, LinkedIn would be the place to go. I personally, if I were you, I would be uploading these videos to LinkedIn right now. As soon as you have this one done, upload it to your LinkedIn and start request, friend requesting these different people, people that just writing conferences, um, book fairs, okay. um, bookstore owners, upload the video there. Okay. And, podcast like you're doing that is awesome and it's not that expensive to start marketing on with using podcasts um youtube you're doing youtube and that's awesome and it just takes time everybody everybody starts with zero followers but eventually you grow you grow your audience and that's what you're doing and I applaud you. You're doing awesome. Thank you, Ingar. You're so welcome. what is your favorite marketing platform? Your favorite one? My favorite one right now is uh, Instagram. Instagram, why? Um, because I can, I love, because um, I'm artsy, artsy kind of an artsy kind of guy. And um, these phones nowadays, iPhone, takes awesome pictures yes. and I'll take a, a picture and iPhones have editing software on there that you can make that picture just sparkle and and Instagram um, also added a feature on there where you can do video so that's what I've been doing I basically what I do is I'll take a video I'll do a 15 second video and that's a 15 second commercial it didn't cost me any, other than buying the phone mm -hmm. and signing up for Instagram, I made a 15 second commercial that can get 60 views, but, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of followers, but 60 views, I didn't pay anything for it. It's right. all free. And like I said, back in the day, you didn't have social media to market your books. Oh. No social media, no, nope. no. So how do you customize your sales pitch? You mentioned that you always <laughs> customize it. How do you keep changing your message? Well, um, 
there's two parts to it actually there's a sales process and then there's the sales pitch and uh we'll get i'll talk about the sales process later but the sales pitch um i'll give you an overview mm -hmm. and then i'll break it down to into how i how i pitch people and basically um the overall thing and you can go to uh, Forbes magazine did this uh, short video by Car Carmen Gallo, and he called it the message map. And what the message map is, is when, when a customer comes up to you, what is the one thing that you want them to know about your, your book? And what that is, is the overarching message. And the shorter it is, the better. And it's got to be concise and you got to keep it short to like one to two sentences. And it's the arc of the story. And it's almost, I compare it to like a hook to a song. Have mm -hmm. you ever went on, um, turned on the radio and you heard the first few chords of a song and you're like, I remember that. Yes. And that's what a, um, the, the first part of your pitch is. It's something that even if they walk away from your table, they'll remember it. So then that's the hook. The, the, uh, I call it the hook. So it's one to two sentences, the overarc of your story. And then you have three follow-up um, points about the book. And what I usually do with the points of the book is like an editorial review. Like my book has been um, reviewed by the Detroit Free Press. Okay. So that's one point. Another point is my book is in middle schools around Michigan. That's another point that supports the book. And then I can't remember what the other third one is, but you have to have supporting information to go along with your pitch. And it just, it's basically when a person comes up to you, you have to take them from a level of, I don't know you, you're, you're, you're going from obscurity of an unknown author to somebody that you can trust, that you're like, oh, that sounds like a good book. I, I trust this art reader enough to buy, or author enough to buy that book. And you're just taking them from a level of cold. I, it's like um, going from cold to warm. Like, yeah, I'm interested yes. in it. And um, so, and then the sales process, we can, I mean, I don't know how much time you got. I mean, there's, I can go through that. I mean, that's kind of a big deal too. Uh, I would rather go through yeah. uh, other stuff because that sure. could be extensive, right? We don't have that much time. We'll do right. number two. Right. We'll meet again, I'm pretty sure. How would you pitch your scrolls to me? I want you to pitch your book number two to me. How would you pitch it to me? Um, I'm, <laughs> number two is I'm still working on the pitch. Um, I can basically... When I do the reading at the end, that's my pitch. That will be your pitch. Okay, then we'll leave it That'll to That'll be the my end. presentation. Okay. What sets you apart from other authors other than the genre? 
what makes you stand out, you know, from other authors? Mm. Uh, I don't, um, that's a, that's a good question. I never really thought of it, but, um, I guess, um, a lot of people are trained. I mean, for example, I got to have a good friend, um, Don Levin and he, mm -hmm. I know him. he's, he, he's an English, you know, he used to be an English professor and he has so much training behind him. And I know other authors that are just, they're either English, they're um, English professors, or they were into theater. And me, I'm just, I'm just kind of like an average Joe, you know, that just decided to write a book. And um, so I never had the training. And that, in a way, has hurt me a little because um, I I ended up uh, for my first book I had two two editor well three three editors go through the book and I learned a lot. I bet you did. I learned I so bet you much did. from those three editors and I was like blown away by how much stuff I didn't know, you know. Right. And so I think with me, I didn't have the background. I just had the, I had to sit down and figure it out, you know, and make all the mistakes the a newbie writer would make. <laughs> that, that's far as the writing, right? But I would say what makes you stand apart from others, you're an excellent salesperson and you know, oh, how, to, you. And you know how to explain it to yeah. others. You should right. teach sales. You should teach sales as well. Oh. Really, I mean that. You explained it quite well to me. Oh, thank you. Thank I you. mean that. You also published during the pandemic. What was it like compared to publishing in normal times? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm not, I'm a shy person. Believe it or not, I'm a shy person, and. I, I have trouble believing that the way you said <laughs> so. So publishing during the pandemic, I couldn't get out there and talk to people. Oh. I couldn't get out there and sell books. And basically what I had to do is, um, and I encourage every author to go out and start an email list. Because you basically, if you can't get... You got to start an email list and then start talking to talking to them and telling them about it. And what I did was, I had I compiled. I should have started earlier, and I had about fifty, about fifty sixty um, email list or emails, and I just went through my list and I just started oh, emailing them. I I offered them. I said, I told them, listen, I tell you what, I'll give you book two just in exchange, you get free book and a free shipping. All you have to do is write a review on Amazon or Goodreads. And I went from like 15 reviews up to 51. Okay. And they just, they, they yeah. were happy to get a, a book and um, in exchange. And then I got 30 something reviews. And, um, and even in what, even in the in what really warmed my heart 
is some of them wrote, you know, they, they got the book and I have, uh, I have this, I have like two fan letters and they wrote me and they said, you know, I really loved your book. This is Haley or what, I don't remember her name, but she's like, I really liked your book and, and thank you for sending Mm -hmm. me that second book. My mom wrote a review for me on Amazon and I, and it it just warms my heart when I get a fan letter, you know, everybody. I bet, I bet. (laughs) What have you learned about, about yourself from your writing? through the writing process. What have you learned about yourself? Oh, boy. I learned to be a better communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, it's changed the way I write emails now. I um, I try to become a better, explain myself a lot better because I'm a visual person and I'm not, I, I, I draw, you, you give me a, you try to explain it verbally and I, I'm like, forget it. If I read something, I struggle because I, I had dyslexia when I was a kid. So I got things mm-hmm. backwards and mixed up, jumbled in my head. My, my mind was always going. And so when I sit down and write, I have to like take a picture in my mind and then okay. convert it into words. And that helped. I mean, it helped at work. It helped in the story. And I, like I said, the editors just kind of like took uh, a jumbled mess and helped me organize it. And so I help. I mean, uh, communication. I learned a lot. What's the worst and the best advice you have ever received in regards to writing and publishing? Um, <laughs> that's a good. Um, we said we're gonna have fun, right? This is a fun one. <laughs> Well, I, I'm, I'll, this one, the best advice was to keep an email list. And I already, I already yeah, talked about we talked that. about that. And um, one of the things, uh, sometimes, even though editors are great, sometimes, um, like my first editor, she, she wanted me, um, one thing I learned is ultimately, when you write a story, you have full contra- uh, creative control of the project. And sometimes people will give you advice where you, you shouldn't go by their advice. For example, um, this was way back before the current editor I had, but the first person I had look at the story told me, don't name all your, or don't base all your characters off of famous painters. And I'm like, that's part of the story you know mm-hmm. and right. that's my creative process right don't change don't change the process change the work you know make if i spell if if the sentence structure is wrong or there's a plot hole look at that but don't change the creative part and um so like i said um sometimes you gotta you got to keep your creative edge to the story. Um, but again, on the flip side, I listened to all feedback. Every beta reader I had look at it, every editor that I have look at it, I listen to them. I really do. And 
Um, when it comes to the creative part, I'll make a judgment call, but as far as the structure, I'll listen to the editor. To the editor, okay. Tell us about the most interesting thing or the funniest thing that has happened to you during an in-person author one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I got oh, oh, boy. I got lots of I got lots of them. <laughs> um, the um, the one of the most bizarre things that I run into, and it happens a lot. Believe it or not, it happens a lot. Is somebody will come up and start talking, but they'll hijack the whole conversation, and we'll talk. They'll want to talk about conspiracy theories and politics, and I'm like. I'm just here to talk about, you know, if do you would you like the book or not? I'm not here to talk about any of the other subjects. And they, they, a lot of, ninety percent of the time they'll go, no, I don't read. And I'm like, well, why are you spending twenty minutes at, you know, at my table talking to me if we're just gonna BS, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> Where do you uh, see the future of indie publishing? Where are we going with this trend? Wow. Yeah. Um, probably more digital. A lot more digital. A lot more digital. Um, probably virtual reality. Um, uh, you know, instead of right now, you got audio. Uh, people, you know, sit in their car and listen to it. Um, I, I foresee if if they have driving cars, they'll just do virtual reality where you're actually in the story. And um, so yeah. it is, you're not just listening to it, but you're interacting with the characters. So yes. I don't know, it's just my awful wall idea, but. Oh no, that's nice, I like that. Have you ever wanted to stop writing? <laughs> and you couldn't for whatever reason that you got maybe angry, frustrated or whatever and couldn't stop. Has yeah, it happened uh, to you? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, I started this project in, 10 years ago, and I probably only, I probably quit like once a month. I, I, and that's why it took me so long to get through three books. It took me three, book, three years to write a trilogy. And because I just like, I was like, what, what is the point? You know, sometimes I was like, what is the point? And going back to the, the fan mail, the first piece of fan mail I got um, for, from a girl from Minnesota, her name is Lily. Hi, Lily. And she wrote me this wonderful letter saying she read the book in one morning. And I keep that. I have it laminated in a plastic bag. And every time I want to quit, I take that letter out and I read it and I, then I keep going. That's nice. That's nice. Would you stop writing if you won the lottery? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I actually <laughs> thought about that. You <laughs> keep on writing, right? Yeah, I actually thought about that because I, <laughs> um, because I bought an investment like a couple months ago and I'm like well if that goes to a million dollars um I have 
probably four or five different ideas what I want to do. And um, if, if I could stay home and do it all the time, I'd spend 50% of my time writing and 50% mm -hmm. of my time drawing. Yeah. Yeah. So would you do it all over again, your writing career? If you were born again, would you again do this in spite of this or despite the challenges? I would have started earlier. Earlier? Yeah, I would have started earlier. How um, early? How early would you have started? Probably 25. 25? Probably, yeah, I probably would have started 25, but I don't think... I probably would have gave up. I mean, I probably... At 25, I was so insecure and not... I didn't... I wanted to do art and I wanted to write. I wanted to make movies and I wanted to do all that stuff, but I was, I couldn't talk to anybody, you know? Oh, and okay. so I think I would have got frustrated. In fact, all the projects that led up to this book, I just let go. I just, I, I started it and I never, this is the first project that I actually finished. <laughs> wow. Okay, how do you think we're going to be remembered as indie authors or entrepreneurs or people who just wanted to write? Or, or give me your own answer. It's not ABC. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good question. I think um, right now, I think, I think that they, they have... You got traditional publishing, yeah. you got indie publishing, and then you got what they call hybrids now. And um, <laughs> I've heard so many people get frustrated with traditional. I've heard people get frustrated with indie. And mm -hmm. I've heard everybody's got their own story of why it didn't work out. And um, it, uh, and it all goes back to even if you're traditionally published and you got, I mean, how much they're going to give you X amount of dollars for marketing. They're going to set you up with bookstores to get out there and promote the book. But if you're brand new, brand new with no name recognition, it's a tough field and you got to get your name out there. And even if, even with their money backing you up, you still got to be able to market and sell your book, even with, even with um, the backing of a traditional publisher. And if I'm going to do all that work, I'm, um, I'm going to have the, the margins a little bit better because if you do traditional publish, you gotta, I mean, your, your royalty is after they get paid, you know, after your, your initial amount, they give you an initial amount of a budget for the book that how much they're going to sell. And then hopefully if it, it's good, then you start getting royalties in and then they, you get a little teeny bit. If I'm going to put all that work into it, it's just going to be me and then Amazon that takes a little, uh, takes their portion. Right. And um, so if I'm going to do all that work marketing, I'm going to, I want a more, more royalty. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. What are the major takeaways from your trilogy? What do you want people to oh. take away, keep it? <laughs> That's a great question because I thought about it on the way home from work. Um, and it goes back to uh, branding, okay? If you think about like some of the major companies out there like Coke, Nike, uh, Apple, they have really short little pitches. And what I mean by that is think about Apple. There is think different. Uh, Coke, Coke is it. Mm -hmm. Nike, just do it. So yeah. uh, with my book, there's it's a trilogy. So I have the first book is about empathy. And the second book is about courage. And the third book is about redemption because the bad guy does a lot of bad things in the story and he redeems himself at the end. Uh, the second book, the boy is shy and insecure and he becomes courageous by the end of the story. In the first book, it, um, the bad guy starts out a good guy, but he loses his ability to feel empathy. And when you oh. lose your ability to feel empathy, you, you don't lost care about it. people. Exactly. Yeah. So those yeah. three things, it's like book one is about empathy. Book two, two is about courage. And book three is about redemption. redemption. Nice. So it's Very nice. Simple. Very nice when, and simple. I like that simplicity. Would you yeah, like to read? The, <laughs> and, and when the um, customer or reader walks away, they'll, it's like, all they have is three different ideas to remember when they walk away from my yeah. table. That, that's great. That's great in this world. Would you like to read to us, Ingar? Sure, absolutely. So I got to get my hat. <laughs> get your hat. Get my... Now, when I do the presentations at the book fairs and things like that, I like to bring props. So, hello, my name is Salvador, the ringmaster of the traveling circus. And everything you see at the circus is illusion, your imagination, or something else. And I have a magic pocket watch where I have ability to fast forward, stop, and erase time. And the clowns in our show have a magic lasso, like Wonder Woman. And my dad in the story is Albert the fortune teller, who has a crystal ball where he has the ability to see the future and the past. But the star of the show is Cordelia, my daughter. Cordelia witnessed the beautiful and coy Cordelia. She lives in two worlds. By day, she walks on land. At night, she becomes a mermaid and swims in Lake Michigan. Cursed by a spell, her long legs turn into a fishtail at dusk, making her the fastest, prettiest creature in the sea. But beware, she'll seduce you into the water and once you immerse yourself, she'll pull you to the bottom and keep you there. I suggest you take a, a short look and avoid eye contact. So move on quickly. And a boy named Flynn is in the tent 
and he walks up to the the uh, the fish tank and he peers inside and the ringmaster goes to the boy and he says son you better move on kid she likes you and that can be dangerous <laughs> and i keep it short well, perfect. Thank you. Nice and short. Perfect. Right. How about where can people see you in person this summer? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, everywhere. Uh, just a few, uh, just a few highlights. Just a few. Okay. Your, uh, favorite, your favorite events. Your favorite ones. Oh sure. Um, I'm gonna be in ten, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, on May eighth uh, for the Strawberry Festival. Uh, then I'll be in Turkeyville, which is Turkeyville is in Marshall, Michigan. Okay. Then I'm going to be in uh, Charlotte, Michigan. Then I'm going to be at the uh, Muskegon Lakeshore event. Okay. Um, okay. Then I'm probably going to be in the Hesperia, possibly. Um, Leelanau, um Then people can find it on your website. What is your website so people can look it up? I don't have a website. I uh, I got a YouTube channel and I okay. got Instagram and I got um, yeah Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Okay. Um, I well technically I do have uh, MichiganAuthors.com, mm -hmm. but that's like a group of us with uh, Steve Labelle and okay. uh, Deanna Compton and Darla Davis. Um, she's on there too, but. Um, I figured um, Facebook, Goodreads, uh, Instagram, yeah. YouTube, that's plenty. I don't, that I don't is think plenty. I need that. that I mean, is some plenty. people get websites, but I'm like, why spend the money if I'm on all these other platforms for free? That's true. So how about your parking shots? I stole that from Diana from Pages Promotions. You know, parting shots across the bow. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, my, my suggestion, if there's any writers out there that want to write a book, um, it's never too late. Like I said, it took me 10 years to write a trilogy. And sometimes I'd only write one sentence a night. And, but I look at it as I'm not into football, but I look at it in, uh, football terms is every inch, every yard, every foot counts. And what you're doing is you're trying to get the ball across the uh, the goalpost or to the goalpost. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you. It just keep working at it. And uh, it took me 10 years. Hopefully it doesn't take you 10 years to write a book, but. <laughs> well, thank you, Ingar. It's been a pleasure. And well, to you. all our listeners, keep on buying indie, reading indie, and to all writers, keep on writing indie. Well, thank Until you again. Time. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.